Welcome to Real Life Church. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us online at reallifeankeny.org. Now let's join this week's service already in progress. Well, we're jumping back in to James and uh, buckle your seatbelts. It's, it's kind, of a, kind of a wild ride here in these verses. Uh, probably won't leave any of us too comfortable. You know, there's something about fallen human nature that loves to speak against other people. Uh, In fact, judging others can become like a hobby or a sport for us. It can almost be like you sit down with your wife at the end of the day and you say, Honey, what should we do tonight? And your wife says, Let's talk about how bad other people are. And you say, Yes, that sounds like a great idea. Now, of course, you wouldn't say that, but that can kind of be what happens. Or you get together with your best friend, and what you talk about is how far off base other people are, or this person or that person, or you get to talking about just how wrong this other person is. You know, it's it's easy uh, to have a continuous stream of critical thoughts about other people and other families and and other groups. And it's easy for a very high percentage of our conversations to be about what is wrong with those guys. And yet James gives us a very strong warning against this here in these verses. Um, A Baptist pastor by the name of Phil Newton, who I I read his comments on passages once in a while, he said this, would it be inaccurate for me to suggest that no sin has brought more damage to the body any more than this sin of speaking against a brother? How many reputations have been ruined, churches split, families divided, and ministries shattered Due to this sin. Can we even begin. To count it. This kind of sin is so common. That we can easily slip into the attitude. That it is no big deal. We have grown so accustomed. To pride and self-righteousness. That denigrating a brother or sister. Seems to be part of life itself. I thought that was a pretty. Powerful statement. We've, We've grown so accustomed to pride and self-righteousness that denigrating a brother or a sister seems to be a part of life itself. Alfred Plummer, another commentator that I read from time to time, he's, he's a Bible commentator from the late 1800s. Uh, he titled this section, these, these two verses of James, he titled this as The Love of Censuring Others. Uh, Now, that title shows me that he had a lot of insight, shows a lot of insight about these verses and about human nature. Uh, To to censure others means to express strong disapproval. The love of censuring others communicates the reality that we can actually begin to love expressing strong disapproval of other people. We can 
actually get to the point where we love to find fault. But it is so wrong, it is so damaging, it is so dangerous, it is so out of place. James is passionate throughout this whole book. He is passionate throughout this whole book about believers getting along in love and humility and peace. And he is addressed... Turn this off. We on? Is that it? Is that it? Okay. This will be really hard for me. Man, I'm so used to hands free here. Okay, James is is really passionate about believers getting along in humility and love and in peace. And he's addressed several things already in the book. He's addressed things that do serious damage to our relationships. He's addressed favoritism in chapter 2. He addressed taming our tongues in chapter 3. He's addressed our passions in chapter 4 and how they become the source of fights and conflict among us. Now, here at the end of chapter 4, he addresses the problem of speaking against each other or judging one another. Verse 11, brothers, do not speak against one another. Uh, the NIV says do not slander one another. But the word to, to speak against or slatter, to, slan, to slander literally means here to speak harshly of. We might say do not speak negatively against one another. And James equates this with judging. He goes on to address anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him. And I, I don't think he's talking about two different things there, speaking against his brother or judging him. I think he's saying these are, this is, this, these are two things that are of a like kind, speaking against your brother and judging him. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 1, Do not judge or you will be judged. Now, this verse has been twisted to mean that we should never say anything is wrong or sinful. In fact, if you've been around the block, that's, that's probably the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear this verse because people distort it. It does not mean that, but it does mean that we are not to set up ourselves in a high place of looking down on others and denouncing or condemning others. And this is a very strong warning by Jesus. Uh, someone said that, that this verse, Matthew 7, 1, do not judge or you will be judged. Someone said this is the most misunderstood verse in the Bible by non-Christians and the most disobeyed verse in the Bible by those who are Christians. And there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of truth in that. However, let's acknowledge right up front that we must make certain kinds of judgments, all right? Hebrews 5.14 says, the mature have their senses trained to discern good and evil, all right? We are to have our senses, we are to have our spiritual senses trained so that we can tell the difference between good and evil. We are to be able to say something is good, something is righteous, something is holy. We're to be able to say something is evil, something is sinful, something is wrong. And when the Bible says something is clearly and obviously sinful, 
Some Christians will say, well, we're not supposed to judge. Okay? That's, that's a misuse of that verse. And they say that as, as, if, as if it meant that we are not to call evil, evil. And that is not biblical. In fact, right after uh, Jesus said, do not judge, just a few verses later he said, you will know a false prophet by his fruits. So, as a Christian, when you see, when you see gross arrogance, when you see misuse of funds, when you see improper sexual behavior, that should tell you there is something false about someone claiming to speak for God. Galatians 6.1 says, it tells us to restore the one who is caught in a sin. So there is a place to correct a brother or sister in the Lord. There is a place for going to your brother or sister uh, who has sinned against you. There is a place for warning, or warning a person who has wandered away from the Lord. But it is one thing to recognize that something is wrong or sinful and to seek help for that person or seek to help that person. It is another to speak against that person and to be ju become judgmental towards that person. It is one thing to recognize a fault in a person. It is another to eagerly point out that fault and publicize a person's errors. So, we do have to uh, make a distinction between making uh, godly evaluation of things and wrongfully judging others, but we, but we, but we must make that distinction and we must not use uh, the excuse that we are just discerning good and evil. We must not use that as an excuse for becoming judgmental people. In fact, we must be very careful because we can, in the name of the Bible, become a very critical, judgmental person. We can, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Christianity, in the name of holiness, in the name of righteousness, in the name of whatever, we can become a very critical, judgmental person. It is so easy to justify our tearing down of others. It is so easy to justify a critical spirit. Uh, you, you, you see that that person isn't measuring up to God's word or God's will, and so you just you feel that, that all of us you feel that you have the justification to condemn them in your heart for that. Well, the main point, that's my, that's my word of balance, okay? That's, that's trying to, to give you the, the big picture. But now we're going to move the, now we're going to move in and really zero in on what the Holy Spirit through James has to say to us. The main point that James makes is that to speak against others or judge them is a manifestation of pride. Pride is at the root of this inclination to criticize and to tear down other people. Pride causes a person to think that he or she is better than others, that he or she knows more than others, that he or she has things figured out more than others, that he or she is more spiritual than others. Pride leads a person to feel 
that he has the right to label everyone, to pronounce judgment on everyone, to kind of just put everyone in their category and in their place. And so pride manifests itself as this love of finding fault or this love of assuming an attitude of superiority toward others. But the big problem with pride, the big problem with, with pride is not only that it puffs us up against our brothers or over our brothers, the big problem with pride and the really serious thing that James addresses is that it puffs us up or exalts ourselves even over the law of God or the word of God and even over God himself. And that's what we're going to see here as we move through this passage. So James goes on, anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. Th those are the words of James. So what he's saying is that when you, uh, when you, when you uh, judge your brother, you are really attacking the word of God. And he'll show us how this works. In James chapter 2, James had said, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. All right? Jesus taught that loving your neighbor as yourself along with loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is the greatest commandment. It's, it's, it's joined in there. You can't be separated from the greatest, the, the greatest commandment. It's a part of the greatest commandment to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And this is actually taken from Leviticus chapter 19, which says, you shall not take revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And I would, I would love for us all to get the, uh, the strength and the emphasis of that. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. When you speak against a brother or sister or judge your brother or sister, you are not keeping this law of love. But you are speaking against this law of Scripture. You are acting, acting against this law of Scripture. In fact, you are sitting in judgment over this law of love, this law of Scripture. Instead of living in humble submission to this law of love, instead of submitting yourself to this law of love to love your neighbor as yourself, you are choosing to go against it and to find fault with your neighbor. And in, in effect, you are saying, this law, this law of love is not important to me. Or this law is foolish or impractical. Or this law doesn't apply to me. Or I know better than this command and I have good reason for speaking against my brother. You know, we, we might say that we love the word of God. We might say that we honor the word of God. But when we speak against our brothers, James says we are really placing ourselves above 
the word of God. We're not, we're not loving or honoring the word of God. We are placing ourselves above the word of God. So when we, when we uh, frame others in a bad light, when we speak harshly against one another, we're guilty not only of setting ourselves up as superior to that person that we're judging, but we are making ourselves superior to the law of God or the law itself or to the word of God itself. And so we must never forget that our primary calling is not to judge your neighbor, but to love your neighbor. And even where we must go and talk to someone uh, about an issue or about a sin, we should always keep this priority in mind, that our primary calling is to love our neighbor as ourself, not to judge our neighbor. Now, James goes on to say toward the end of, end of verse 11, when you judge the law, in other words, when you, when you judge the law by speaking against your brother, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. And so James is saying there's a danger of becoming a judge and not a doer. In other words, you can get so busy judging other people and other groups, other families, that you don't have time to watch your own life and conduct. Your job, my job, is to obe obediently follow Jesus. Amen? And if we spend our time speaking against one another, we are not giving enough time to our own obedience. James goes on in verse 12, but there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? So James moves on here to, a, to another argument. The, the first argument is that by judging others, you are, uh, you are judging the law. You're placing yourself in a place of superiority over the law. Now, this second argument that James uses is that by speaking against your brother or sister, you are usurping God's position. There is only one lawgiver and judge the one who is able to save and destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? So James says that when you judge, when you judge others, when you judge your brother or sister in the Lord, you are, you are injecting yourself into a place that is not really yours at all. You are climbing up, as it were, into the judgment seat of God. You're climbing up into a position that belongs only to God. Alfred Plummer, whom I quoted earlier, called this the invasion of the divine prerogative. I love that. It's like you're, you're just, you're invading a place you have no business invading. And so very bluntly, James says, there is one judge, and that means it's not you and it's not me. There is one judge. And so judging others is so dangerous because you are taking the place of God. You're being so presumptuous as to take the place of God. 
you are assuming God's role. So when you think about judging another person, it, it may be that you need to stop and judge your own self or your own pride in assuming that you, because you were just about, you were just about to enter into a role that does not belong to you, that belongs only to God. Thomas Constable, another commentator I, I enjoy, said, Criticizing our equals is common sport, but it is inappropriate for mere mortals. I think that's really good. Again, it kind of goes back to the idea that it becomes almost a sport to us. But it just shows how inappropriate it is because it belongs to God, and we are just mere men and women. Instead of assuming a position of humility with each other, criticizing your brother or sister is exalting yourself into the role of a judge. And throughout this passage, I don't know if you've picked it up from the reading of it or not, but there's an emphasis on the fact that we are not judges, but we are brothers and neighbors. Notice the language in this passage. He's, ta he's addressing, he's talking about what you do to your brother, what you do to your neighbor. We are brothers and neighbors. We are not judges. Life is not a courtroom with you as the judge. And, you know, so I, I'm afraid that sometimes we, that's how we view life. That just all of life and is a courtroom and... We are the judge. People are not defendants brought into your court for you to speak against them. It's not your place to be the judge, jury, and execution, executioner of everybody else. Our primary relationship is brothers and neighbors. We are, we are all on the same plane. Another... Uh, commentator that I, I enjoy named Phil Newton said this, at the heart of this problem is a failure to grasp the nature of the Christian community, the body of Christ. The terms that James uses point to a family relationship or as a relationship of close ties, brethren, neighbors. The person who is the object of the other's tongue is one who has also been redeemed by the blood of Christ, united to Christ and the church by the Holy Spirit, sealed together in the body by the Spirit, able to enter into the presence of the same Father and destined to spend eternity together in heaven. That person that you are using your tongue against, they have shared at the Lord's table, partaking of Christ's body and blood in that symbolic yet mystical gathering of the church of Jesus Christ. They have entered through the veil of his flesh together into the presence of the Father's throne, there to pray and to receive grace together for their needs. They have gone through the same waters of baptism, identifying them as being part of the same body of believers, having been immersed in Jesus Christ and joined to his body. And then he closes with this question. Would 
the believer dare to raise his voice against another who is so intimately and uniquely joined to him as a brother or sister in Christ. All right, then I would like to move on to share uh, what I think are uh, some ways we identify uh, this kind of judgmentalism. Uh, what, What are the marks of being in a judgmental environment? What are the identifying marks of a judgmental environment? In other words, what happens in a home or a church where this problem of judging others is not replaced by the royal law of loving one another as we love our own selves? Well, I think, I think the main one, the main identifying mark of, an, of a judgmental environment is that you feel like you're walking on eggshells. You, know, you feel like instead of primarily being loved, you are being watched and evaluated by someone who kind of has it out for you. I mean, you just feel that way. And we, you know, we've, we, we've sensed that. You're afraid to say or do something that will be unacceptable. Uh, you have this feeling that that other person would rather expose your fault or judge your fault than cover it with love. And none of us want to live under that. Do we? Does anybody volunteer for that? (laughs) So this morning would be a good time uh, for all of us to decide before God and before these words of James uh, to repent of being a judge and humble ourselves to be a lover of our brother and our neighbors. Now, again, we yes, we're going to call you as a church. We're going to call you to godly living. We're going to call one another to godly living. We're going to call you to biblical thinking. We're going to call you to kingdom values. But we're going to do it in an atmosphere where you're not primarily feeling like we're here to judge you. At least that's our goal. Jerry Bridges, uh, who used to be with the Navigators, uh, wrote a book called Respectable Sins. And in it, he said that the sin of judgmentalism is one of the most subtle of our respectable sins because it is often practiced under the guise of being zealous for what is right. It's obvious that within our conservative conservative evangelical circles, there are myriads of opinions on everything from theology to conduct to politics, to lifestyle. Not only are there multiple opinions, but we usually assume our opinion is correct. That's where our trouble with judgmentalism begins. We equate our opinions with truth. Truth with a capital T. So I'm going to wrap up this morning by just talking about some ways that we wrongfully judge one another. All right, we wrongfully judge one another when we impose our own personal ideas and convictions on other people. You know, instead of granting our brothers and sisters the liberty that God gives them, we want to bind people under our own ideas. You know, Romans 14 talks about this. He talks about, Paul talks about the man who eats, eats everything and the man who eats only vegetables says the man who eats 
everything must not look down on him who does not. And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? Now, the New American Standard says, who are you to judge the servant of another? I like that. To his own master, again, this is quoting from the scripture, to his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. And it goes on to talk about how one man considers one day more sacred than another, another man considers every day alike. But the point is, there are many freedoms that God gives us within the Christian life, and individuals and families can have different ways of doing things, and we are not to judge each, o- each other about those things. Where God gives liberty, we're not to try to bind people to a more tighter way of doing things than God does. All right, secondly, we wrongfully judge others when we don't first judge our own sin. You know, how Jesus, everybody's familiar with this, when it talks about judging others, you know, Jesus said, you know, get the log out of your own eye first, and then you might be able to see to get that speck of sawdust out of your brother's eye. And, I mean, the, the point is so clear. It's, I mean, it's, 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 almost, it's humorous. I think, I think Jesus shows a sense of humor in that verse. I mean, it's, it's, um, you've got this great big two-by-four, great big six-by-six six beam kind of a fault that you're carrying around, and you want to go over to help somebody else. Hey, let me get this speck of sawdust off of you. You know, that's, that's how judging others can be. We can just be so eager to correct their fault and just, just totally don't see this <laughs> massive problem that we've got in our own life that needs to be dealt with. Third, we wrongfully judge others when we are hard and harsh with people. It's one thing to recognize that something is wrong in someone's life, and we'll, we'll see that. I mean, we're not, you know, love is very clear-sighted. We, you know, we see when there's problems, but it's one thing to see that and to seek to help them with that. It's another thing to, ju- to be hard and, and harsh about it. Jesus said uh, to the Pharisees, he said, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. It's just, it's sometimes we need to hear that. We just need, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy. God, de- God desires us to be merciful, merciful people. I'm not talking about that we're blind to real problems. I'm not saying we don't acknowledge where there's real sins and faults and things that need to be corrected. But Jesus desires us to look at other people from a place of mercy. Number four, we wrongly judge others when we judge from things that we've read or heard about through gossip without really knowing the facts. Jesus said to judge with true judgment. And so I think sometimes we have to ask ourselves, do I really know the whole story? Do I really know what's going on here? Um, Have I been patient enough to understand that person's heart? Or, Or are we eager to just pull out the shotgun and blast away before we really know the whole picture? Number five, we wrongly judge others when we don't believe the best 
and when we don't put the best possible light on other people. There's something about love that is so positive. When you love, when you love your kids, when you love your grandkids, uh, you can just you can barely see their faults, <laughs> you know, because you just you're, you're you're looking at them in such a positive light, and and love is so positive in that way. First Corinthians 13 says, "Love hopes all things, love believes all things." The the Amplified Bible says, "Love." believes all things, looking for the best in each one. That's, I, I, I don't totally know all that it means when it says love believes all things, but certainly there's a, a sense in which we would believe the, the best about God's work in other people's lives. Uh, and you know, we see that in Paul's approach to people uh, throughout the epistles, that even even where there's, there's problems, he... He views the people in, in, the, uh, in, the, in the most positive light. Sixth, we wrongly judge others when our comments are destructive. You know, we are not primarily in the business of tearing down other people or churches or fa other families, but we are in the business, we are called to the business of building up. We are edifiers. We are, to, we are called to the, to the ministry of edification not tearing down. Um, edification literally just means to build up. The Apostle Paul uh, speaks of the authority that the Lord gave him for, he says to the Corinthians, for building you up, not for tearing you down. God gives us an authority to speak. God gives us an authority to work in other people's lives. God gives us an authority to serve other people. God gives us an authority to, to minister the truth to people. But it is an authority for building them up, not for tearing them down. You know, even uh, when dealing with the, the, the problems at Corinth and the Christians at Corinth, uh, Paul said, Paul put it like this, I am not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Do you, get, do you catch the tone? It's not, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a destructive, harsh tone. Um, I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. So if we love, someone said, if we love people as we love ourselves, we will take great care to inflict as little pain as possible. And I think that's true. Even when you correct your kids, you know, you, you want to do it in a way, if you love your kids, you want to do it in a way that inflicts as little pain as possible and yet, and yet you want to you know, communicate to them what needs to be communicated, but you do it with, with love. And then seventh, we wrongly judge others when we confidently pronounce someone is going to hell. James says there is only one who can save and destroy. It should be clear to us that a great many people around us are lost. I mean, it... it, it, it I don't think that we need to be blind about this. We can see that people are lost. And we can generally tell who are the children of God and who is not. I mean, the Apostle John says it's obvious. It's obvious who are the children of God and who are not. But rarely, if ever, is it our place to go authoritatively pronounce to someone, You're, you are going to hell. And it's even worse to say, go to hell. 
mean, you're putting yourself in the place of God uh, when you say things like that. We have, no, we have no authority to save and to destroy. Only God does. And ultimately, he knows those who are his. And then number eight, last, we wrongly judge others if we judge them in our hearts, even if we keep our judgmental thoughts to ourselves and do not share them with others. It's probably better to keep them to yourself, but not much better. That's not the answer. Uh, judgmental words, judgmental words will eventually flow out of a judgmental heart. And the answer is to repent, repent of the pride behind, behind this inclination to speak against others and to humbly place ourselves beneath the royal law of love and to love one another just as we love ourselves. And that, to the very best of my ability, is what James has said to us in, in these two verses. And um, I have strived with, with all of my might to communicate it as clearly and accurately and as boldly as what James, James did. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you for this passage. And Lord, uh, probably all of us need to have a little spiritual surgery done on us from, from these words of James, from the Holy Spirit. And so we, we just submit ourselves to your word, which is um, able to pierce as deeply as a division of soul and spirit, to, to your word, which is able to get really down into our hearts and, and to deal with inner, inner things, inner practices, inner beliefs, inner attitudes that, that really need to be dealt with. And Lord, we thank you for the power of your word to do that. And we utterly and completely entrust uh, this message, uh, this ver these verses, to the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish all that you want to in our hearts and lives this morning. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.